Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Corey Higdon on why religious liberty is critical for everyone. That's the argument. That's what we're contending for. It's it's that when when that's part of our society, it creates conditions conducive to belief. And so let's let's not lose sight of it. Let's protect it. Let's contend for it. Uh, let's send Christians to law school to continue to be in these organizations, and let's have Christians in the political realm. We, that's where we, we need people there making this case out of love of neighbor and for the gospel. Corey Higdon, next. Dr. Corey Higdon says even though there have been recent victories for religious liberty at the U.S. Supreme Court, current events show that in our secularized culture, religious liberty remains a fragile concept. Dr. Higdon teaches at Boyce College, is managing director of the Carl F. H. Henry Institute for Evangelical Engagement, and wrote the recent world piece, Let the Word of the Lord Run Freely. Religious liberty is essential to the spread of the gospel and the fight for truth. Uh, Dr. Higdon, how do you define religious liberty? Yeah, I think it's it's the freedom, the liberty to express one's deepest convictions, not just privately, but also publicly. Uh, one's deepest religious convictions, to be able to worship and to follow and to obey the dictates of one's conscience publicly with limits. There there are obviously mm-hmm. limits. Every nat- Natural rights have natural limits. And so we understand whenever we say these things, there are certainly limits. But at a base level, just to kind of start with, it is is the the freedom to live out the dictates of one's conscience and worship to God, uh, both privately and publicly. And it's often, uh, religious liberty is often referred to as the first liberty. Can you tell us why? Throughout its tradition, throughout the history of, of people who've been advocating for religious liberty, they understand that if that freedom's gone, there's there's really no other freedoms. There's really no other hope for individual liberty, individual rights. If you are not able to express yourselves and to worship God as you believe God wants you to worship him, then where's where does free speech fall? Where, where does uh, the freedom of assembly fall? Where does all the other liberties and freedoms that, that we're so accustomed to, and I think at times we just easily take for granted, those things just quickly crumble if, if the liberty of conscience, the dictates of conscience are, are crushed and coerced uh, by, by an authoritarian regime. So when religious liberty goes, you really see the erosion of, of so many other individual rights, individual liberties that I, I believe God has, has endowed with us by, by being made in his image. And obviously, it's enshrined in in the First Amendment. Correct. Yeah, our, our founders understood this well. I mean, they they draft the Constitution, and then right there in the Bill of Rights, it starts out that that very first freedom. The the that there would be no established religion. Uh, they they understood this well, and and the importance of that, the importance of of pe- people being able to worship the Lord in a way that was truly pleasing to the Lord. This was something that it took the founding generation a, a couple more decades to really come to appreciate. But advocates of religious liberty have contended that the reason we need it is that the kind of worship that is pleasing to God is volitional, not coerced, not handed down, not forcing anything like that. The kind of worship that, that is pleasing to the Lord is that which is out of the heart. That's why we need religious liberty and, and freedom of conscience. And, and even though it is being uh, certainly 
challenged and contested, tested uh, all the time uh, in various parts of the country. There have been some significant victories for religious liberty at the United States Supreme Court, and we've talked about them a little bit on this program, but for those that may not have uh, heard that discussion or aren't aware, can you give, give us kind of a quick recap? This article that I wrote at, at World Opinions, yeah, I, I point out that from a legal standpoint, I think religious liberty is in an incredibly strong place. We've had uh, decisions like 303 Creative. We had the Coach Kennedy case, which was handled by uh, the First Liberty Institute out of Texas. These were some pretty remarkable victories for religious liberty. And I think the Supreme Court uh, handed down some some very strong uh, opinions that I think have, like I said in the article, from a legal standpoint, religious liberty is on some really strong footing in, in the United States, and we should be really thankful for that. But there's there's one side of this, which is the legal story, and then there are the cultural issues. There's There's stuff going on in the background that I think points to how fragile religious liberty is and how, how fragile it continues to be, despite the legal protections that are there. It's something that, especially in a, a continuing you know, secularized, post-Christian, neo-pagan context, more and more people are not going to appreciate or understand the reasons why we should have something like religious liberty, because they themselves aren't religious. Well, in that piece, uh, that World Opinions piece, let the word of the Lord run freely. Religious liberty is essential to the spread of the gospel and the fight for truth. You, you say that some recent events eclipse those victories, those gains, which we just talked about, and they, they point to what you just call the fragility of religious liberty. And I'm wondering, what, what, uh, what is happening in the culture that, that shows that, uh, that struggle for religious liberty is ongoing and current? Yeah, so... One of the events I pointed to is uh, this video from uh, in July uh, with with a young man named Marcus Schroeder, who was reading out of the book of, I think it was Book of Galatians. He was using a sound amplification equipment in a, in a park, uh, kind of across from what was a an LGBTQ uh, you know, pride event. And he was just reading out of out of the book of of Galatians, and you can go watch this video. He's he's the police show up and and arrest him, and uh, they technically book him for you know, the improper use of sound amplification. But it's a really difficult video to watch when here's a young man who's just reading out of the Bible. He's not saying anything violent. He's not saying anything angry. He's not being uh, uh, you know, uh, disruptive or any kind of, you know, he's not being physical. He's just reading from the scriptures. And then across the park is a drag show going on where uh, people are, are doing some sexualized behavior in front of children. But it's, it's the young man who's arrested, who's just reading from the scriptures. And so we, we've got events like that. Um, there are, uh, a number of, of Christian institutions that are facing uh, significant lawsuits from uh, from folks who, who think that Christian institutions that have the audacity to be Christian, to actually hold fast to what the Word of God says on a host of issues, whether it be marriage, gender, et cetera, et cetera, that these institutions should lose their tax-exempt status, uh, that they need to be shut down. I mean, just you just see a burgeoning hostility to any sort of public manifestation of Christianity. And so, yes, we have these legal victories, but there's just this 
growing and and uh, a distasteful uh, spirit towards any kind of of Christianity that is made public that the public can see it it just stinks to them there's this stench it gives them indigestion when when any kind of of biblical witness shows up uh, shows up publicly and so there's an effort to privatize that to relegate that to as as quiet and as minuscule as it can possibly be in regarding that uh, lawsuit uh, pending, you said against several Christian institutions of higher education due to an LGBT-related issue. So you do kind of have a collision here, but but in the culture in general between religious liberty and uh, at least what is what is stated to be discrimination. How do you resolve that? Uh, Justice John Roberts got at this in his dissent in the Obergefell decision, and in in the Obergefell case. These kinds of questions were asked. If we if we go down this route and legalize same-sex marriage, isn't there then going to be an issue with religious liberty? And and the folks on the side who were you know pro-legalizing gay marriage said, yeah, there's going to be an issue. And you see this growing trend that okay, well, this has been legalized now. The Supreme Court has legalized same-sex marriage, and so now two thousand years of Christian teaching just need to get out of the way, and the church needs to be quiet. And and I think Christians can handle that in a number of different ways. One, they could they could just get on board with the culture and silence the truths of the gospel. And that's just not an option for us. That's not an option for faithful Christians. We have a responsibility to proclaim publicly what is good, beautiful, and true out of love of neighbor. But another response could just be anger and hostility and, and even uh, uh, a violence. And again, that's also uh, not what Christians are called to. So Part of what I'm doing in this this article and, and what I'm trying to get call Christians to it is to engage the culture in such a way that people appreciate and understand when we eradicate the rights of conscience, if that's the direction we go in the name of the LGBTQ rainbow revolution, when those rights of conscience are gone, it's not just going to be Christians that are going to be suffering from this. It's going to be all people because this is something so fundamental about who we are as beings made in the image of God. And when that goes, it's going to pretend all kinds of disaster uh, for, for everybody. And so we've, we've got to contend for this, not out of just a mere, leave me alone. I just want to go do my own thing as a Christian, but as an, as an sincere act of love and stewardship for our neighbors, this is something that is so vital that we need to protect uh, and continue to preserve. Well, just sort of parenthetically here, uh, Dr. Higdon, and I want to continue with the discussion, but to what do you attribute your, your interest in religious liberty? This is something that you have, you've written about, not just here, not just in, in World Magazine, but it's something that has been a, a, a particular interest of yours in your teaching and your writing. Was there a point at which this got onto your, your radar, so to speak? I've always been interested in, in politics, and then um, I, I wanted to have a, a political career, and then I uh, came to Christ as a senior in college, and then uh, the Lord just, I think, began leading me away from that, and, and I felt a real call to ministry, but that kind of desire has always been there. Mm -hmm. And when I started my, my PhD work, I, I was introduced uh, to the writings of Roger Williams, and uh, that's the title of this article for, for World uh, Opinions comes out of Roger Williams's writings, Let the Word of the Lord Run Freely. That's right out of Williams's works. Roger Williams was uh, obviously the founder of, of Rhode Island. He was a significant uh, advocate for religious liberty in the, in the 17th century, and, and it was his writings that I think really drew me into 
what I think is a compelling historical narrative of of Christians who have made the case for conscience for for centuries, and and they had to do so in a context where religious liberty wasn't just something that you could assume that you would have. I mean, these were these were persecuted people, and especially as a as a Baptist. This is just well part of our tradition from Thomas Helwes and John Merton to Obadiah Holmes, John Clark, Isaac Backus, John Leland. There's just a long tradition of, of Baptists who have suffered persecution because of their religious beliefs, but advocated and advanced ardently the, the issues of conscience in the public square. So uh, that's really where the interest uh, came from, was just seeing this compelling historical narrative of advocates for religious liberty who made that case that this is not just and they weren't just making the case to try to escape persecution they really believed out of conviction and out of their theology that this was going to be good for their neighbors that this was going to be good for the broader society that this was going to be good for for the gospel itself and i uh i i have benefited much from from their writings and hope to continue to impart that to others and somehow uh, you write that religious liberty is synonymous it, 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 in one sense it's is it the same thing as or very similar to liberty of conscience yeah they're they're very similar i think religious liberty and liberty of conscience i, I sort of use them um synonymously it does get it I mean it gets tricky though when you uh sort of unmoor the religious component there mm. when you start talking about about conscience and and this is where uh, i think christians have to be uh just very clear we're going to contend for religious liberty but uh, like i said at the beginning all natural rights have natural limits and any liberty any right can easily be abused and 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 so while we contend for religious liberty and the freedom of conscience, we also understand that if somebody's conscience is leading them to do something that is detrimental to the health of others and the mm -hmm. well-being of others, the civil government needs to get involved immediately. And, and that is a, a right ordering of the way God has instituted government. And, and that's right out of Romans 13. That's what government is instituted for. Uh, and so, yeah, there's it's it's important as we talk about this. It religious liberty is actually a lot more complex than I think some of us would like to think. It's it's not a flat issue. It's not something that's just easy. There there it's a it's a complex issue. And that's why we need Christians seriously thinking about it and contending for it vigorously and 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 uh, and, and contending for it well in in the public square. Well, it's interesting that you cite a, a piece written recently in the British newspaper, The Guardian, uh, you say it's essentially a, a hit piece against Alliance Defending Freedom. It's a Christian uh, legal group specializing in, as I understand it, religious liberty. And I'm wondering, what what did they write, and why would a British newspaper be so interested in what's happening in America? Yeah, th this uh, this British newspaper, uh, you know, they it's always interesting, you know, Go go read the British sources and see what they're thinking about the United States. It, you'll get a good laugh at it every now and then. Uh, and and the Guardian, this this liberal newspaper, sort of read. I mean, it, it's just a hit piece. It's an op-ed, opinion piece uh, against the Alliance for Defending Freedom, which is uh, the legal organization that's been behind a lot of these Supreme Court victories um, for for religious liberty. And so, it's just natural. I mean, everybody when these victories sort of got handed down, you had members of Congress and. Uh, all people in the political square are saying this is the end of separation of church and state, and this is the end of our American constitutional order. The fact that you know poor Coach Kennedy can now pray at the 50-yard line and not lose his job, 
that this is somehow going to spell the end of the American Republic. And so uh, it makes sense that you're going to see these kinds of op-eds. But what I found interesting in that Guardian piece was that it it charged the Alliance for Defending Freedom of trying to force a certain, this is a direct quote from the article, a certain type of religious view at the center of American life. I didn't have space in that world article to, to really go after that. But that's an insidious line of reasoning that Christians have to push back against. Laws are inherently instructive. And behind every sort of law is a certain type of worldview. It's a certain type of religious view. The problem with this you know, author from this Guardian piece is it's not the view that they want. It's not what they think should be there. Yet somehow they have neutrality. Somehow they're Theirs is the neutral uh, you know, moral high ground here, whereas these Christians are just trying to impose or force something down on everybody, which just couldn't be further from the truth. Think what, what most Christians, when they're contending for religious liberty and, and the public presence of Christianity uh, uh, being manifested, we're saying we're not trying to force anything upon people, but we're also saying it's good when marriage is defined the way God defines it. It's good when families are structured in order the way that God created families. It's good when we say a man is a man is a and a woman is a woman, and we try to help people who are struggling with things like that. Like It leads to human flourishing when we actually let the moral precepts of Christianity frame the moral consciousness of a people. There will be flourishing when that happens, uh, and, and we find ourselves having to like we're backed up against a corner and actually having to make that argument, which is something that has, that was just never questioned at the time of America's founding. As they were securing religious liberty, they also understood Christianity was essential to the early, to the Republic flourishing, that it, that the liberties and rights that were guaranteed in this nation would only function properly and well as Christianity was there to stop licentiousness. And that's the kind of things that I think uh, Christians need to be aware of and continue to, to advocate for publicly. Well, I, I did want to ask, and, and many people may be aware of this, but um, the, a common uh, pushback against religious liberty, against the need for religious liberty, is that uh, it's essentially um, a cloak or a pretense, a pretext uh, for power and for discrimination. We've talked about that a little bit, but can you... Can you address that? I think uh, perhaps that concept has sort of taken hold. You know, Christians, we've, we've got to, this is where actually engaging with people and talking with people is really helpful because if you actually just sort of walk through the line of reasoning to get somebody to think, oh, this is just about you wanting to be a hateful bigot. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it's just nothing could be further, further from the truth. And so I, I think what Christians have to do is to show people there's an intellectual consistency in our position. We believe that God has said this, that he has revealed himself in his word. He has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, and he is calling us all to a certain kind. Uh, he's calling us all to have faith, and he's calling us all to a certain kind of obedience. We think that it is good and right when people live that way. And so it's not out of hate. It's not out of discrimination. It's not out of anything. Uh, it's out of sincere love that we're proclaiming the things that we're proclaiming and we're calling people to the things that that we're calling them to. So I, I think you've got to sort of push that on the one end. And this is just, again, this is where uh, being, you know, 
actively involved in your local church, having brothers and sisters praying for you, uh, engaging people with uh, with the truths of the gospel, with love, being salt and light. That's that's going to be um, absolutely essential for Christians moving forward. But then I, I think we also have to continue. That's why I'm thankful for organizations like ADF and, and First Liberty. And we need more Christians engaged in this kind of work. If, if we don't have the right to say things publicly that somebody might be offended by, the game's over. The, the entire experiment in American ordered liberty is over. If we're not allowed to publicly say and mani- and 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 proclaim and manifest something that someone somewhere might be offended by, you can just close this whole thing up. America's done. Religious liberty's over. Free speech is over. The entire thing is done. If if we allow the the feelings of somebody and that they might be hurt just totally eclipse uh, every other thing about conscience and free speech and all of this, then then the Constitution's over with. Uh, I mean, we saw this even just in in recent this this whole event coming out of Colorado with this. This is a little bit different, but this this middle school kid with uh, uh, this little patch on his backpack, the "Don't Tread on Me" flag, and he got kicked out of school mm-hmm. because he had a "Don't Tread on Me" flag on there because of uh, some misguided sense of of that flag being tied to slavery. We have to show people, especially people who are not religious, who aren't Christian. When you don't stick up for and contend for religious liberty, the right to think is gone. The, the right to believe anything is, 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 is gone. Well, uh, Dr. Uh, Corey Higdon, my guest today on His People, he is uh, director of theological research for uh, Dr. Albert Moeller in the Office of the President at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He also is an adjunct professor of history and humanities at Boys College. We're talking about his world opinions piece, Let the Word of the Lord Run Freely. Religious liberty is essential to the spread of the gospel and the fight for truth. And and this may be very obvious, uh, Dr. Higdon, but the connection between religious liberty and the spread of the gospel, if you don't have religious liberty, the, the right to even share the good news of forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus Christ. We've seen that in other countries yeah. currently and in history where that is shut where that is shut down. Absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, you just hear it every day of, of uh, missionaries, of people who are overseas, who are locked up, who are kicked out, who are booted out. Uh, and, and it's not like it's some far off, hostile country that we would expect, like a you know, Muslim-dominated country. We see things happening like this in Canada. Uh, we see things happening like this in, in, in Western civilization, the, this neo-pagan hostility to, to the truths of the gospel. And in one sense, we, we shouldn't be surprised. Our Lord promised us that this would happen. If they hated me, they will hate you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And so we shouldn't be surprised by it at all. But I think it ought to invigorate us even more to faithfully proclaim the glorious truths of the gospel, to not stand idly by, to not be silent, to not let fear, to not let the powers of government coercion stand in our way. We are going to contend for the beautiful, the good, and the true, no matter the cost, no matter what comes our way, until Christ comes, uh, because eternity hangs in the balance. And it is our responsibility as, as, as a blood-bought people 
to make disciples of all nations. And so let's let's get after it and let's do it uh, by the power of the Spirit. Let's do it. And of course, if religious liberty is lost, we only have to look at, well, recent history at the Soviet Union or current oh, situation like uh, North Korea, for one example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, the gospel does just fine in nations where there's no religious liberty, right? I mean, you know, there, there are Christians there and they do just fine. And so why does it matter that much? Mm-hmm. And I, I always I, I always come back and say, if you were to ask an Iranian Christian, would you want religious liberty in your country right now? My hunch is it was it's just going to be a knee jerk. Yes. If you were to ask a North Korean Christian or a Chinese Christian, would you benefit from religious liberty? Would this help you in your ministry? Would this help you in the spread of the gospel? They're going to say yes. And so it's not to say that unless there's religious liberty, the gospel can't go forward. Otherwise, the early church would never have taken off. But it is to say that religious liberty creates conditions. And this was Roger Williams's whole argument. Religious liberty creates conditions for, as he said, the word of the Lord to run freely. And when it's allowed to run freely, he that is uh, a Jew or a Turk or a pagan, and and this is a direct quote from him, uh, today will tomorrow be one of the Lord's. Uh, And so that's that's the argument. That's what we're contending for. It's it's that when, when that's part of our society, it creates conditions conducive to belief. And so let's let's not lose sight of it. Let's protect it. Let's contend for it. Uh, let's send Christians to law school to continue to be in these organizations, and let's have Christians in the political realm. We, that's where we, we need people there making this case out of love of neighbor and for the gospel. Well, the piece is, let the word of the Lord run freely. Religious liberty is essential to the spread of the gospel and the fight for truth. You can read it by going to uh, wng.org. And my guest has been the author, Dr. Corey Higdon. Uh, he is an adjunct professor of history and humanities at Boyce College, the managing director at the Carl uh, F.H. Henry Institute for Evangelical Engagement. Also, he's director of theological research for uh, Dr. Albert Moeller in the office of the president at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Just kind of a footnote, what is the, the Carl F.H. Henry Institute for Evangelical Engagement? And w- w- if I may ask, what, uh, what do you do there? Yeah, so uh, I would encourage people to, to go check uh, it out at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. The The Henry Institute is really for people in, in ministry. It's targeting our students here on campus, but it, we've done conferences online and then we've got video content. It's really to help people think about issues of, of political and public theology, uh, how, how to live faithfully in, in the public square. And we, we, we get our name from Carl F. H. Henry, who was a prolific uh, 20th century uh, uh, evangelical who wrote extensively on on these issues and created, I, I just think, a, an important vision, an important summons for for Christians to be actively, actively engaged in the public square uh, for for the good of neighbor and for the sake of the gospel. And so that that institute, we we put on conferences, we we have uh, uh, reading groups here for for students on campus. We just recently did a a, a public theology conference in in April. That people can find find online with uh, lectures from myself, Andrew Walker, Jonathan Lehman, Hunter Baker, uh, just a whole consortium of of evangelical scholars uh, on, on the issue of, of public theology, and we're, we're going to continue to to do events like that, and uh, in the service of the students here, and in the service of 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 Christ's people. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Corey Higdon. 
He is Managing Director of the Carl F. H. Henry Institute for Evangelical Engagement and author of The World Peace, Let the Word of the Lord Run Freely. Religious liberty is essential to the spread of the gospel and the fight for truth. You can read it at wng.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Guy Waters with a biblical and at times inspiring discussion of death and what comes after this life. When we think about death, we we certainly want to be thinking about what we're leaving and how to prepare our, our friends and loved ones for that. But as Christians and in faith, we need to set our sights on what lies ahead of us and to know that what we're gaining is far greater than anything we're losing. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.